All right. Hey, if you got your Bible, go ahead and get it out. We're going to jump into uh, today's Christmas story. If you don't have a Bible, our ushers have Bibles. They will uh, gladly bring you one. Uh, let, them, uh, let them get you one. Uh, you're welcome to borrow that. If you don't own one, you can keep it. Uh, we'd just love for you to be able to, uh, to follow along with us. And today we're going to the book of Matthew, the book of Matthew. And um, it's, uh, it's pretty awesome to get to uh, have an entire season, if you will, a month, I guess, in our case, a little over that, uh, the way we've designed it this year. The Titans playing today? Where's our flyover crew? Uh, so, uh, but yeah, uh, so, but to have this whole, like, little over a month period of time uh, to get to tell and retell aspects of the birth of Jesus, I think it's pretty awesome. And so, uh, and that's what we're doing. Uh, the Christmas stories are really one story, but different aspects, different perspectives of that story being told and how that story affected the lives of others. And uh, specifically today, we're talking about a king uh, that was alive at that time, and uh, specifically uh, King Herod. And, and many people at that point in time actually called Herod, Herod the Great. Uh, and 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 I think I think that it's worth noting. I think it's worth like as we're thinking about uh, the passage and and the story of Jesus and and what's unfolding uh, to know and understand like who Herod was just a little bit. And you know I think I think we kind of make these people these actual people that were living and breathing and all of this stuff. We kind of we're kind of sometimes we're kind of guilty of turning them into characters, you know, and 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 in like a fairy tale type of a way. And so, uh, you know, I think this morning, I think one of the things that's important to think about uh, when we're talking about Herod, number one, we have more information on Herod as a historical figure uh, than, a, than a lot of people from that time, literally books uh, about Herod uh, and, and just great detail of the things that he did. And a lot of those things as to why he was called Herod the Great. Uh, you know, he was, first of all, uh, we know that he was a king, king of Judea, but um, you know, they, they overtook, you know, cities and regions and uh, all of this. And so, I mean, we're talking about somebody with great power here who's leading, uh, you know, a large group of people, you know, and, and in, the midst of, in the midst of all of that, uh, you know, they overtook Jerusalem and, and all of these things. And in the midst of all that, we find that toward the end of his reign, which is where we're picking up with him today at the time of when Jesus was born, we, we find that Herod the Great is actually turning into like Herod the Paranoid. Uh, and, and so, you know, with, with the thought of um, being worried about his reign, being worried about uh, you know what, what's going to happen if, if if somebody tried to take over and 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 all of these things and so uh, we, we've got some pieces of that and and it comes through historical uh, documents scripture God's word before that the foretelling of this king to come and so this king to come that had been foretold and that people knew were coming and all of this. That this was this was beginning to happen, and as it begins to happen during Herod's reign, uh, he gets a little squirrely, and so that's where we're picking up today in Matthew chapter two. Matthew chapter two. In fact, let's just go ahead and read Matthew chapter two and verse one. 
And it says this, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So this is the this is the wise men that we're you know that many of us are familiar with with the Christmas story of these these are the guys this is this is the crew this is the posse of wise dudes who are carrying gifts to go and worship this new king baby that has been born and so this was foretold this was foretold in the Old Testament we see uh, passages of scripture and we're going to see here in just a minute how that's affecting. Uh, the story of even Herod uh, and what's going on, but this was this was expected. Like the people of God had been looking for God to do this. They had been looking for God to send this king. Now, as you can imagine, so many people really, and we talked a little bit about this last week, so many people were looking for some different type of a king than what we got. We got this humble baby king. And, um, and so Herod, you know, he too was looking for this king, being in the king business that he was in. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, most times there's, you know, there's not two, you know, not enough room for two roosters in the hen house. And Herod begins to get a little paranoid. And so here comes the wise men and they come through, um, they come through town and they're looking for this King of the Jews. And it says, uh, where is he who was born King of the Jews for we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So they're traveling through and they're asking, where is this king of the Jews? And by the way, this probably isn't setting real well with Herod. Herod was born, you know, Herod was raised as a Jew, you know, and, and, and if anybody's going to be king of the Jews, I'm sure he's thinking he's king of the Jews and wants everybody else to think of him as king of the Jews. And so verse three, we begin to see what happens. It says, when Herod, the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Herod the king heard this. He was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And so we've got just a little bit of a glimpse into uh, the beginnings of Herod being worried, Herod being paranoid about this king that was to come. And one of the things I think that's interesting about this, and we'll see this, is that Herod believed this was going to happen, which tells us that Herod took stock in the word of God. Herod took stock in all these things that they had been told that, you know, and all this, but, but not only Herod, Herod was not the only one that was troubled. It says all the people of Jerusalem were troubled and all the people and all Jerusalem with him, it says. And in verse four, it goes on, it says, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So here we've got this picture, and the people of Jerusalem, if you're kind of wondering, well, why in the world would they be worried? I'm sure to them, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, every time we have, you know, some kind of leadership change and president or, uh, you know, whatever it is in, in our own country, uh, you know, much like for those people, they're, again, they're thinking about a king, a new king. Well, what, what's that king going to be about? I mean, we, we don't know a whole lot. We just know that there's going to be a new king. And so Herod, he's worried because he doesn't want to lose his job. The people are worried because they don't know what's coming next. 
And then Herod gets all the smart people together. See what it says there? It says, it says, in assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So and this is pretty interesting, I think, and it shows just how much validity that they gave even to the scriptures at that point in time. In verse 5, it says, they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And this is out of Micah. This is what we have. We have this in Scripture. This is a quote, okay? So, it, so he gets the smart people together, and basically they go back to Scripture and say, well, Scripture says this, and we have this. Verse 6, he says, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So this was foretold. The smart guys get together that Herod you know, hires to you know, be part of the latest committee, committee to help figure out you know, Herod's little worrying issue he's got going on. And they come with scripture. And they're like, Bethlehem. Scripture says Bethlehem is where this ruler is going to come from. And so and then verse 7, which I think is awesome to see him, like he, like he believes in God's word, he believes in like this being foretold. And then it says in verse 7, Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. He wants to figure out when was this baby born? When was this king born? baby born. So Herod gets the wise men together because he knows that they're on the hunt and they're, they're tracking and, and they've, you know, they've been and they're coming through town trying to go and find him. They, you know, and he said, so he figures to himself, you know, well, I'll find out from them when, 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 did, when did the star appear. That'll tell me when the baby was born. It says this in verse 8, and he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. This is a lie. Herod, Herod, didn't, want to, Herod didn't want to go and worship him. Herod wanted to go and kill him. So he gets the wise men together secretly, you know, and he's like, okay, I want you guys to go and be my spies to go find Jesus, and then they're supposed to come back and tell him where Jesus is so that he can go worship them slash kill him. Uh, and, and so then we've got verse 9. It goes on. It says, After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. Verse 10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. So here's these guys that have been sent as spies to go and find the baby Jesus. And they go and they find him and they are overwhelmed. They are overwhelmed. And they fall down and worship him. Opening says, then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. 
You know, I think, I think that we see something in the picture of what happens with the wise men here that I think is pretty awesome. In this story, and we're not trying to make this story about the perspective of the wise men, but it's part, it's part of the story that we see and we have here. And, and what we see is we see that, I really believe we see them changed. I mean, you th- think, about, think about that moment. I mean, you think about for those of us who are believers, people, for those of us that have trusted in Jesus to save us, we've believed in him to do what he's done for us, and, and to imagine just knowing that there's going to be this great king to come, and, I'm, and, and I, I don't know what they were expecting, but when they got there, and probably what was a very humbling circumstance, and then they see the Son of God, and they just fall down and worship him. What an amazing moment for them and their lives. I mean, and, and I, think, I think we see evidence of the change. It goes on, it says here in verse 12, it says, And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. So they leave the baby Jesus, and they leave him and go on another, another route. Basically, they take the long way home. You can sing the song later if you want to. And they take the long way home to go back to where they need to go, purposefully going out of their way not to go anywhere near Herod. And again, th- I mean, this is, a, this is a deal. I mean, you know, we're not talking about, you know, like, you know, they, you know, they, you know, may have gotten the mayor mad or something. We're talking about more like the president. It's the king. It's the king over, over this whole region. And they go another way after being warned in a dream not to return to Herod. Verse 13, it goes on. It says, Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. That's strong words when we're talking about a baby. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. Now you want, you want to talk about like, we're going, to try to, we're going to try to ignore somebody. We're going to try to stay away from somebody. We're just going to go over here until they die. You know? I mean, that's, that's basically like, we're just, going to stay, we're just going to stay away until he's gone. And it goes on and says, This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Again, it's out of, out of Scripture, out of the Old Testament. Out of Egypt I called my son. So we have this amazing amazing, you know, like we're of all these things fulfilling scripture along the way. And, and we've got this king who's in the midst of this, who's trying to hunt down this supposed king that has been born, this king that is going to come and going to be the king of Israel and the king of all the king of the Jews and all this stuff. And, and, and you know, Herod, Herod starts shaking his boots is what's going on. Why? Well, because I'm sure he loved his power. And, and I mean, you, you think about it. I mean, think if we really, we, we don't have really any full understanding, I don't think, of the kind of power that somebody like Herod at that point in time had. I mean, you know, we, we live in a, 
a PC culture and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, there's, you know, you do this, can't do that, and all this kind of stuff. Can say this, can't say that. At that point in time, I mean, I'm pretty much thinking that as the king over, over that region, I'm pretty much thinking that he pretty much could do anything he wanted to do. So you, th- you think about that life, and you think about being that guy, and you think about going, I don't want to lose that. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to lose that. I want, I want to keep on. You know, I, 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 I like all these women, and I like all this stuff, and I like, you know, whatever it is. I mean, just think. I mean, just like, you know, I mean, sky is the limit for a guy like Herod. But then he gets worried <laughs> about a baby being born. Isn't that crazy? And it shows you how much stock that he took in what the scriptures had foretold was going to happen. The interesting thing to me is that, is that Herod, and we'll see just a little more of this, is like he tries to change it. In fact, let's go ahead and read right here. I'm going to read this passage, verse 16. Awful things. He does awful things. I'll just, I'll just warn you right now. Verse 16, it says, Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, Nanana Boo Boo, became furious and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men and then was fulfilled What was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, a voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children, she refused to be comforted because they are no more. So even this was foretold that this was going to happen. And so Herod, this powerful ruler, this powerful, you know, so used to getting his way that in the moment of knowing that a truth was starting to come to fruition that had been told from long ago that this was finally starting to happen and there was another king on the way. Poor Herod, if he had only known, if he had only known, Jesus didn't come to be, Jesus didn't come to be that kind of king. He didn't care about having that kind of power. He already had it. Didn't need it. But Herod was so knee-deep in the the want, the thought of, of the sin, the threat of losing all of these things that he loved on earth. It threatened his plans to lose his riches. And, and, and at the end of the day, the truth is, is Herod, Herod wanted to be the Lord. Herod wanted to be God. Herod wanted to be in control. And so he was willing, even even knowing that these were scriptures coming true, he was willing to basically do whatever he could, literally to the point of, let's just start gathering baby boys and let's just kill them if they were born anywhere near this time. Let's Let's just do away. Let's just try to wipe them out in hopes that we will kill this king baby. And Herod, Herod was missing it, man. Herod, Herod didn't realize something that is so key for us today, which is that when God has a plan, you, you can't thwart it. You can't, you can't jack it up. 
You can't change it. If God says he's going to do something, he's going to do something. And even Herod should have known that. And Herod should have had the sense about him to have trusted the Lord instead of doing this. But what's he do? He tries to rewrite what he knows history is going to be. Well, I'll just, we'll just, we'll, we'll figure that out. I'm, I'm powerful. We'll figure that out. We'll just kill all the babies. And there's so much that comes about with the Christmas story because of Jesus being born to a family from Nazareth where he would grow up, but then being born in Bethlehem, but then they flee to Egypt. And and all of these things, all of these things were foretold. All of these things we have in scriptures from long before Jesus ever came to earth. It's absolutely amazing. And it's, you know, I think it's easy for us to go, well, you know, paranoid Herod. Oh, paranoid Herod, you know, I mean, you know, he should have just, you know, he should have just trusted the Lord. You know, I can't believe, I can't believe that he would, you know, I can't believe he would go to all those links. But, 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 but we should be careful. Because here's the truth, is we have sin in our life at times that we will go to the ends of the earth to try to protect it. We'll go, we'll go to the ends of the earth for the things that we love in this life, and sometimes to the point that we are knee deep in sin, just like Herod. We're no different. We're sinners. And it's challenging to us today to, to think about the fact that we know that God has a plan, but the truth is, is that there are times in our lives where, namely sin, where we, where we say to God, you know, God, I, I know you don't want me, I don't know, no, you don't want me to take part of that, I don't know you don't want me to do that, but God, I, I think we'll be okay. I'm going to go ahead and do this right now because it's what I want to do. And we'll hide it and all of these things. Because we don't want our plans to be threatened by God's plan. But here's, here's, here's this amazing truth about God's plan and about God himself. He brings peace. He brings peace. He brings peace to us. We, we want peace. Like we, we think that in our plans, we're trying to get peace. We, we think we're going to get peace if we do it our way sometimes. And the truth is, we know better than that. We know better for what God has for us. We know that, he's, that he has a plan. In fact, James 4, James 4, verse 13, it says this. It says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town, and spend a year there, and trade and make a profit, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? What is your life? What a question. What is your life? It's a great question for us to ask ourselves, by the way. For you are a mist that appears for only a time and then vanishes. 
Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. So what is your life? So if, if we were in the place of Herod, where Herod was seeing and hearing about the scriptures coming to life, the things that had been foretold in that moment in time that there's going to be this king to come and apparently it's happening and, and it puts us in a place. You know, if for us, I think, I think maybe an equivalent, it's not the same thing, but maybe an equivalent for us would be to realize may, maybe like somebody just came in here and somehow we knew they were telling the truth or I'm, probably, probably the truth is the way it would happen is when it happens, it's like it's going to be happening and it's on us and it's like boom and it's Jesus is coming back and Jesus is here and everything is about to change. You know, and, and for us in that moment, we think, man, if I knew Jesus was coming back on Friday of this week, man, I, I got some stuff that I'd want to do before Jesus comes back. I've got some people I'd want to talk to. I've got some stuff I'd like, to, I'd like to think and pray on. I've got, you know, whatever it is. And the truth is, 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 is James is coming at this and he's saying for us, what is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. He's saying... Why not now? Why not now? Why would we wait? And the truth is, is Jesus could come back on Friday. Boom. What do we do with that? And, and, and so the, the question, what is your life? What is your life is, is his way of saying, use your life now for the glory of God. Like if, if, we could, if we could start every week of our life with that question of what would be different about this week if we knew Jesus was coming back on Friday, why wouldn't we live life like that this week? Like how, how does that change? How does that change the schedule for this week for you, right? We're like, well, I mean, you know, I, I mean, there's some of those things that I'd like to do, you know, and all that. But, but I mean, the truth is, is, is Chris, I'm real busy. I got a busy week this week. I mean, the holidays coming up. Don't you know? We got to get some work done. <laughs> and, and, I, and I'm just saying, James is over here going, what's your life? What is it? What's it about? Is it for the glory of God? When we live it in such a way in the things that we've been called to do in those places, those workplaces and in those relationships and those conversations, that why should it be any different? Why not trust the will of the Lord? Why not trust Him to work through us? Why do we talk ourselves off the ledge of of, oh, well, I don't, I don't know enough about God. I don't know enough about Jesus to be able to talk to people. That's a joke. That's a joke. How many years of our lives will we be a part of hearing teaching that tells us who exactly God is and, 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 and study and pray and, and know that God is leading us at times and, and the truth be known to even be reminded we don't save anybody. He does. And there are so many people right now around us needing and looking for the hope that is only found in Jesus. That just, just the mention of him might be the thing that God uses to 
send the Holy Spirit to work in their hearts to save them, to change them forever like wise men who show up at a manger and are changed forever. Poor old Herod was threatened. He was threatened. We're threatened right now thinking about like, oh, we're going to change our week up for God in case Jesus comes back on Friday? What, who do you think you are, preacher? Oh, we're threatened. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's it, right? Same thing. We're threatened. We're threatened with the thought that God might have a plan different than the one that we've been putting together for the last week. You're like, Chris, you don't know. i got some money to be made. My money, my problems. And here's the truth. Jesus, Jesus demands our surrender. God demands our surrender, our self-denial. And we've, got to, we've just got to see it for what it is, is that sometimes it's just that we don't want to give up sin. We don't want to give up what it really looks like to follow Christ and, 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 and when we don't, we're missing it. Herod missed it. I mean, Herod completely missed it. I mean, the end of his reign ends up being Herod the paranoid instead of being Herod the great. We miss it. Just like Herod missed it sometimes. And we think that we're pursuing peace and happiness or something. I mean, we know better. We know that that comes from following him. But sometimes we don't want to trust what is good for us because it threatens our plans. And we are afraid of losing the things that we think satisfy us. Let me ask you a question. The things of this world that we think satisfy us, do they really satisfy us? They don't satisfy us. We know better than that. We, 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 find a, we find a mountain to climb. We find a thing that we want to get. And we think, oh, I'm going to get that. I'm going to be happy. Life's going to be so much easier. And then it's like five minutes later. It's like, hmm, what's this cool? What's next? What's next? I remember when um, I grew up in this little town in western Kentucky, and um, when I was about 12, my dad came to my mom and I, and they had already been talking a lot, and it, it was a constant conversation uh, with our family, but he, he began to share with us, he was thinking that God was beginning to lead uh, him and us uh, to go elsewhere in ministry. My dad's a pastor, and and so, um, you know, this had always been a conversation amongst us. I had been fortunate because a lot of, a lot of pastors move a lot. Uh, I'd even seen, I had uh, a pastor, uh, he had a pastor friend of mine, or a pastor friend of his, and his son was a good friend of mine, and they had bounced around all over the place. I mean, they were moving like every three years or something crazy, and, and um, you know, I, you know dad had, mom and dad had, had, you know, raised me to understand that if we ever felt like God led us to go somewhere else, that we needed to be faithful in doing that and just go, you know, uh, be it a missionary somewhere, whatever, you know. And so, 
you know, the day came and, you know, I was, I was pretty much prepared for it, even though I didn't, I didn't really, really like it because at 12 years old, I'm just being a selfish junior high boy uh, who loved to make noises with his armpit. And, um, and so, but all my friends were there, you know, that's where I grew up. This was, this was, I love this place that I grew up in and, you know, it's kind of small town America, ride your bike on the streets and all this kind of stuff. Um, and, um, anyway, um, so we moved and, and to be honest with you, I, even though I didn't want to go, I trusted my dad to take us. And it's, and it's because for all the years of my life, my dad had always shown me that he cared for me and cared for our family, and, and, and there was no reason to not ever trust him. Now, here's the truth. We got to the place where we would spend this next little section of our life, and I hated it. <laughs> it, was, it was terrible. And I'm sure there's probably days that I cussed my dad, and he and he knows he knows I hated. He knows that it was not it was not a, it was not a great moment in my life. I mean, so much so that like, I mean, he just he just knew like he he'd know when he's picking me up from school. I'd get in the car, and he could just tell the look on my face, and he'd be like, "Son, let's go have a milkshake and buy a box of baseball cards." And I'd be like, "Let's do that," because what I just did today, I don't want to do again, <laughs> you know. And, uh, I mean, just what a loving father, you know. And then God would lead us away from there about six months later. So, as a 12-year-old boy, I struggled with that in that moment, moment in time when I didn't really feel like I had any friends and all these different things. And, and, then, and then God would move us from there to the great city of Jolton to meet, to meet new friends like Joey Boykin, who told his mom when he first saw me, I don't want to be his friend because he looks like a nerd. <laughs> it's true, he said that. She still, she still talks about that. But, you know, I look back, and here's, here's what I see. I see my father leading us as a family to follow him, and, yeah, there was this terrible moment in life that I had to go through, but I see the hand of God strategically wanting us to experience different things, as he does for all of us at all different periods in our life, and still does as adults. And I see the hand of God preparing me. And he used, he used that six months of living in that place for me to have an understanding of what it felt like to not have friends after having all these friends in my life. He wanted me to experience that. He would later use that to call me to be a youth pastor, and then he would later use calling me as a youth pastor to let's start a church that looks like youth ministry for adults. That's what it was. I'm just being honest. And, and God spoke to me to do that. I didn't want to do that. That was not my plan. I was fine with being a youth pastor. Days that Ben and I were like, man, we'll go back to youth ministry. Let's order pizza, see kids get saved, and see if we can get them to throw up on stage. That was awesome, you know? It's like the trifecta. You know, and I think for us, I think just for us to recognize in the moment, and I know it's hard sometimes. I know, I know certain moments in life are really tough, but I'm, I'm just, I feel like God sent this for us, for us to be reminded today to remember that we should trust in the Lord. 
Herod should have trusted in the Lord. And it's easy for us to throw darts at Herod and go, oh, crazy old Herod, he's just paranoid. We're no different. We too should trust in the Lord, not just in the big things, not just in the kingships of life, but I'm talking about like in the little things when, he, when God is saying to us, run away from that sin, or God is saying, run toward me in this, do not be afraid, we can trust him. He has got a plan. Check this out, Proverbs 19.21. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand Come on with that. It is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. That's hard because we all think that we're specialists at life. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. The purpose of the Lord will stand. The purpose of the Lord will stand. What, do we know what it is all the time? No. <laughs> I didn't know what it was for those whole six months of my life. I'm like, what in the world, God? Why, have you do, why are you doing this to me? I'd go, sit on, I'd go sit down on the steps at the back of our house, and we had two Cocker Spaniels. I'd just let them come over there and just lick the tears off my face every afternoon. That gets old, doesn't it? And some of you are there right now with something in your life, and you feel like you feel like that's what you need to do is just sit on the back step and let the dogs lick the tears off of you. Maybe that's what you're doing every afternoon. I'm here to tell you, God is not going to let your suffering go without being for his glory. As long as you will allow him to work in you, he is going to use those things for his kingdom. Trust in the Lord. His kingdom is better than ours. God satisfies. He is the one that gives us peace, not the circumstances of our lives. I'll say that again. He is the one that gives us peace, not the circumstances of our lives. 2 Corinthians 4.17, and I'll close with this. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Let me just encourage you today. If you have never trusted in Jesus to be your Savior, Scripture teaches us that, the, that God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, He speaks to our hearts. And He helps us to see that we're sinners. And He helps us to see that we need a Savior. And if you're here today and you have never heard the voice of God speak to you like that until today, I'm telling you that you need to listen to the Lord. Maybe today's the first day in your life. Maybe you've gone to church your entire life and you have always hung your hat on being a good person and that you grew up in church. I'm here to tell you, you can't hang your hat on that stuff. It has to be on Jesus. It has to be on the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart, showing you you're a sinner, realizing it, and receiving and believing in Him 
who God the Father sent His only Son to die for us on a cross, to take the death that we deserve, the punishment that we deserve for our sin, Jesus took that. He shed His blood for that. And He wants you to know Him today. He wants you to have a relationship with Him today. He wants to save you today. For those of us that are believers and we already have believed and trusted in the Lord, I just challenge, challenge all of us together as a body of believers, together as a people, as individuals, that we would trust the Lord. May we not end up like Herod. May we not be kings of paranoia. But may we be a people who trust the true king. Let's pray together. God, we love you, and we are humbled, humbled by what you have done for us. We don't deserve it. We're no different than Herod. God, we're just a people. We're sinners, and we need a Savior. God, thank you for sending Jesus to die for us. Thank you for an empty tomb, that it wouldn't just be about a cross, but that he would defeat death on our behalf. God, I pray for anyone, Lord, that hasn't believed in you and trusted in you, that today might be the day, Lord, that they would hear you speak to their heart, and God, I pray that you would save them. We love you and we thank you for what you've done for us. God, may we trust as you have called us to. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen.